Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi guys, welcome back to the eighth episode of Believe in Nuggets. I am your host, Asher Levy, and as always, I'm joined by my uh, lovely co-host, Gage Bridgeford. How you doing today, man? Uh, doing well. Glad to be back. Uh, I know we took a little bit of a little bit of a break. Obviously, with the off season, we're not going just as frequently, but still enjoying uh, being here. And at least we have some Nuggets news to talk about this time. Yeah, we don't have to speculate. We don't have to think about things. We can simply report that Tim Conley has officially left the Nuggets and is now with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wish him all the best there. But uh, now we can talk about the Nuggets moving forward, what we think will be the new front office's approach, and what the departure of Tim Connolly means. Last episode, we talked about what it would mean if it actually did happen, whether we thought it would happen or not. But now we can say for certain that he's gone and he will not be coming back uh, for a very long time, if at all, ever. So... Now we are left with Calvin Booth, who has been with the Nuggets for five seasons now, I believe. He was brought in by Tim Conley. He's been serving as the general manager ever since Tim Conley got that promotion to president of basketball operations for the Nuggets and is someone who is well-regarded within the Nuggets and is someone that uh, ownership and the people surrounding the Nuggets are very confident in going forward. It's been reported that he will have a more aggressive approach to roster construction this offseason. He knows the importance of this offseason to the Nuggets. And it's been reported that he will look for deals. And if he needs to move off of draft assets to make that happen, he'll do it. So there's a lot to be excited about and a lot to be you know concerned about if you're a Nuggets fan because... You don't know how much Calvin uh, was involved with these moves in the past. Maybe he was the driving force behind a lot of them, or maybe he was just kind of a guy there. It seems from all the reporting uh, that has come out about Calvin and his time with the Nuggets that he has been a very influential voice in Denver's front office. And Conley had built a culture of, you know, that being the case it was a very collaborative sort of culture and i would not be surprised if calvin was involved with a lot of these moves but he has a lot of big shoes to fill he is someone who is stepping in for who was a top executive for the nuggets and in the league and someone well regarded someone who built a culture so what do you think calvin booth will be doing this offseason gauge what do you think his approach to things will be I think his first step is going to be just figuring out where he's going to come up with money because we've already seen the issue of money and uh, the ownership's unwillingness to spend rear its ugly head once this offseason in the form of Tim Connolly going to Minnesota. I understand that he was offered equity in the team there and you have Cat and Anthony Edwards and yada yada. It came down to money. I'm sure that if he had been offered the same amount of money or a close or a raise close to what he got with Minnesota, he'd probably still be in Denver. So Calvin Booth now with a Denver team that is largely, they are what they're going to be. There's not a ton of 
wiggle room in there. They don't have a ton of money available. They're not going to really sp- go into the tax. To, they're not going to go way into the tax. He's going to be spending this offseason trying to – he wants to be aggressive. Great. I'm interested to see what that means. I don't know if that means shipping out uh, someone like Will Barton, Monte Morris, uh, Michael Porter Jr. if the right deal comes along. I don't know what that entails, but – in terms of if he's going to be aggressive and really dramatically overhaul this team, it's going he's going to have to get real creative in order to get that job done. Absolutely. He is going to have his work cut out for him if he really wants to improve the roster. He ha- it's been reported that he is going to be looking for wings, which is something that the Nuggets have been lacking for a, for a while now. Uh, pretty much ever since the bubble where they lost Torrey Craig, they lost Jeremy Grant, they lost Gary Harris in the past uh, few seasons. They really only have two quote-unquote wings on the roster in Will Barton and Devon Reed. And Will Barton is more of a guard. He just kind of fits the physical uh, mold of a wing. And Devon Reed was someone who couldn't play in the playoffs because he was on two-way and they decided to not convert him. But we've talked about that. If you want to hear our thoughts on Devon Reed and all that uh, contract shenanigans, go back and listen to a couple episodes ago. But I think with the money, like the Cronkies have shown that they're willing to spend spend on players with you know them giving Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon the extensions last offseason with. Jamal Murray, Jokic, both being on maxes, which were no-brainers, but, you know, still. And with Jokic signing a Supermax this offseason, more than likely, he he's going to be pretty strapped for cash, Calvin. And it'll be an interesting look into the inner workings of a NBA organization and how they navigate those sort of things this offseason. Because Will Barton is an expiring deal worth about $20 million, if I recall correctly. And that's a asset you can move. A lot of Nuggets fans are low on Barton, and I can understand why, but I think people undervalue him too much. You're not going to have to attach a pick to move off of him. I think you could move him to Washington for KCP and not have to attach a pick. A lot of people seem to think that to do that move, you would have to attach a pick to him. But uh, no, Will Barton is a big expiring deal and is still a good player. He needs to be put in a certain situation. And I think for Denver, it might be time to move off of him and find someone who fits their needs a little more and, you know, fill in the margins that they need filled in more than what Barton provides. But I think he will probably look at moving a Will Barton. I think taking a look at you know, the trade market for a Monte Morris might not be a bad idea. I would probably wait if I was going to move him until the deadline next off season or next season. If that was something that uh, Calvin wanted to do, but I'm not entirely sure what a aggressive off season would look like for the nuggets because they don't have a ton of assets. They don't have a ton of draft capital. Most of it is wrapped up in protections in other trades because of the Stepien rule. Like they can trade this year's pick, but it will have to be on draft night. 
They cannot trade the 2023 pick, I don't think. I think the next first-rounders they can move are the 2027 and the 2029 first-round picks, which are way far out there, and they do not have a ton of assets in the chest. The best assets that they do have are like Bones Highland and Zeke Najee, and Bones is someone that you probably don't want to move off of because he did play very well in his rookie season. He has a lot of upside, and he's already good now. And Zeke Naji, you probably don't move because you probably don't get as much for him as you value him. So, like you said, it'll be an interesting, interesting look at how Calvin navigates this offseason. Yeah, like I understand, the, like I'm, I'm interested to see him be aggressive. I just don't know what that's going to entail. There's, this isn't a team that's loaded with cap space. They're not. They don't have a boatload of picks this isn't this isn't okc he's not sam presti just sitting on a war chest of picks and cap space and young players it's a team that's in its contention window yeah there's some young young players on it but for the most part it's guys that are ready to win right now and they don't have a ton of extra money and extra picks to make things happen so that's why when i hear the He's going to be aggressive this offseason. I kind of agree with you in terms of moving Will Barton. I don't really know what else he would do other than move. I think Will Barton is the most movable player right now. I mean, that's not in, in the big four. Like, if you're looking at it's Gordon, Jokic, Murray, Porter, that's who you're probably building the team around. So I'm not 100% sure who you're going to build. Like, like who, like, if you're not trading any one of those guys, I think Barton is the one that makes the most sense to trade. I also think that I kind of agree with you. He needs a different situation to succeed, and Denver isn't that place because he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much as he needs, especially next season where he'll he'll become the at best at best fourth option on offense. Um, at worst, he could be the fifth option if Aaron Gordon's even more aggressive, which I think he needs to be. But well, that's a story for uh, down the road. So I'm interested to see how Calvin kind of handles that, and I'm interested to see how he's different from. Tim Connolly. I mean, there is something to be said. Tim Connolly made a lot of successful moves in his time. He had a good eye for talent and Booth has been around. He's seen that he'll know what to look for and what not to look for. So I'm interested to see what, how he evaluates talent different than say how Connolly evaluated it and see if that leads to more team success or not. Yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to see the different philosophies in running a team because he's someone who was brought in by Connolly, but will not necessarily echo what Connolly did. And it'll be an interesting... Uh, I'm just always interested by how different team-building philosophies work in the league. And it's such an it'll be such a good look into how different philosophies affect team-building with a mid-peak like of the team very tumultuous time that executive leaving and leaving another one in his place. And I'll be very interested to see how the different philosophies play out. It's a personal interest, but I think it's one that fans could find interesting. And if you're looking for how teams are ran, this will be a very uh, good case study for that process because Conley was someone who built very much through the draft. He got in his own guys and made necessary moves uh, when the time came. Like when the Aaron Gordon trade was made, that was a necessary move because 
at the time, the West was ruled by big forwards, and the Nuggets needed a defensive forward. So Conley went out and he got one. But even then, he moved off of RJ Hampton, who he had traded a 23 first pick for, uh, and Gary Harris, two guys who he had and he had brought in and was trying to develop. Uh, Gary was obviously a veteran at the time, wasn't really developing much, but RJ Hampton, you know, he was developing. He was a project pick, and that was something that Conley liked to do a lot. He liked to take the best player available, and if he needed to, he'd move off of him. There were moves where that didn't pan out so well, such as the uh, Jared Vanderbilt trade, uh, the Malik Beasley trade, where he shipped off a bunch, like those two young guys for Noah Vonley, Jordan McRae, Shabazz Napier, like just a bad return. And he had his faults, but overall he did a great job of building the team, putting good guys around Jokic. It's just unfortunate that injuries kind of derailed that for the last couple of seasons of his tenure. But I think that Calvin might look more at drafting for fit or moving off of picks, you know, more than Conley did. And I think that'll be an interesting look into what works better and the different stages of team building. Because Conley was very good at building up the Nuggets, but maybe Booth is better at optimizing them once they're already at the peak of where they should be. Maybe he pushes them just a hair further up the mountain as opposed to being able to build the foundation and then kind of struggling to make the all of the correct moves. And sometimes that's what you're going to see. I mean, the best example of that right now is, I mean, honestly, it's both teams that are in the finals here. We have Golden State versus Boston. You have Boston who had Brad Stevens at the helm for years and Danny Ainge as the GM or president of basketball ops for years upon years. And they got close a couple times, but they never quite got over the hump. They flipped it. They brought in Ime Udoka Udoka, and moved Brad Stevens up and Danny Ainge retired, went and worked with Utah, whatever. Now they're in the finals. You go to the Western Conference, Golden State Warriors, who, yes, they've now been a dynasty for several years. But prior to that, it was Mark Jackson had was coaching them, and they were making a little bit of noise here and there, weren't ever quite doing getting over the hump or anything, and then they brought in Steve Kerr. So sometimes it can be you can hear the same message for years upon end, years upon years upon years, and it doesn't quite get through, and then someone comes in and has the foundation and just knows the right button to push to put you over the top and so hopefully that's the case with calvin obviously he's been around he knows what the team has been doing right uh and so it's just going to be a matter of him seeing what the team was doing wrong whether that was picking certain players investing in certain positions or whatever and fixing those mistakes because if you can fix those mistakes this team is not far away from winning a championship it's just a matter of eliminating the errors and and making those adjustments. And that's what it's going to come down to for him being looked at as one of the top executives in the league versus him being looked at as not the guy that's going to take Denver where they want to go. Yeah, I hope that he addresses roster construction more than Conley did because Conley tried to bring in talented players regardless of position. 
And I think that works when you're a rebuilding team. Like if the Rockets bring in Jaden Ivey, I think that'll be a good pick for them because I think at that point he will probably be the best player available. However, I, I think once you get to the stage where the Nuggets are at, you need to start thinking about roster construction, about how many people you have at each position, where they fit in, and how to build a rotation with the roster you have. And I think that is something that Conley lacked a little bit. And not to say that he did an awful job because injuries did play a big part in the Nuggets having, you know, their point guard and their small forward being injured and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, all that stuff matters, but there were still a lot of small guards on this team. There were still a lot of power forwards on this team. There was not a lot of wings, and the wings that they did have were either on a two-way and couldn't play in meaningful minutes because of that contract or did not fill the needs of what Denver's wings would need to do. Like, they needed better perimeter defense than what they had, and Conley did not particularly prioritize that, and it showed big time in the playoffs with, you know, the Warriors series obviously showing the lack of perimeter defense that was still there in the Sun series and even in the Blazer series. You, I would have liked to see more uh, of those adjustments from Conley, but I hope to see Booth make those adjustments now, and hopefully he gets off on the right foot. Uh, this is a very important offseason for the Nuggets. This is one of the more important ones in franchise history, probably the most important one of the Jokic era so far. And I will be very interested to see how exactly a new front office handles being thrust into a situation like this a, where it could be very, very tumultuous quickly or it could very well make the Nuggets a solidified title contender, depending on which direction they go. Absolutely. Uh, this is going to be a offseason where none of the fans are going to be happy. It doesn't matter what move is made. Um, just fans are never going to be happy. I think that they're going to, they're going to be upset because they didn't get the player that we, that they want. They wanted a guy who it was unrealistic for Denver to get in the first place, but they, but they couldn't, but they wanted him anyway. They figured, Oh, there was a way to do it because I heard on this one podcast, this one time that you could do it with the NBA trade machine. I made it work, but it's all about wait and see what they're going to make the moves they're going to make. And then we'll have to see how they play out in the season. Cause that's why they play the games at the end of the day. Um, but I don't really got much else to add here on this situation. Uh, Ash, why don't you go ahead and let the people know what you're working on? Because I know you said you got some stuff coming out here over the next uh, few days and next uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. So over on uh, Stiffs, which is where me and Gage write, we have recently been doing draft, uh, pr player profiles, big boards, that sort of thing. And I've been in charge of that coverage. I'm someone who mainly likes the draft. I'm a big draft guy. If you follow my, me on Twitter, you know that I'm most of my tweets are either about prospects I like, prospects I think the Nuggets should go after, lots of draft stuff. And I released two player profiles earlier this week on Ishmael Kamagate and Usman Jang. 
two international prospects that are interesting in different ways for different reasons. And tomorrow, or probably today, when you're listening to this, I will be releasing a player profile on Blake Wesley and my second big board, the 2.0 big board of uh, stiffs. And I look forward to doing more draft content over the next uh, few weeks up until we get to the, the draft, obviously. And then I'll probably be doing some summer league stuff once summer league rolls around, but that's far out there. So over the next few weeks, you can expect a lot of draft coverage from me personally and from Stiffs in general. Go over there. We have a lot of great writers. Uh, Skip, who recently took over as site manager for Ryan Blackburn, is doing a, a good job on the player profiles he's doing. And we have uh, Reed Howard and Peter Leemsvart, who are both doing good work as well. So that is what I've been up to. Uh, how about you, Gage? Uh, as per usual, I'm still putting out uh, my weekly Film Friday article. I took a week off a couple of weeks ago, but I'm still uh, working on that. So that'll be out this morning uh, as you guys are listening to this. Uh, working on some fantasy football stuff, uh, but the links to that are always over on my Twitter. And also possibly putting on some gambling content here in the next few weeks. I've been an avid gambler for the last few years since it became legal in my state, but haven't really put out a ton of uh, written work about that, and that might be changing here over the next month or so. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Believe in Nuggets. Uh, as always, remember to rate it five stars or whatever your platform uh, rating system is, rate it high, and download the episode. We appreciate your time. You can find me at Asher Levy on, uh, at Asher Levy NBA on Twitter and uh, Gage at G Bridgeford NFL. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.